I'm in the middle of a series of messages on family, uh, what it means to be a real man, a real woman, and uh, and, and part of that is uh, talking about this whole idea of marriage and family and culture and how we should uh, uh, address these things. Uh, I'm doing the second part of a message I started uh, last time called Love, Marriage, and Stinking Thinking. Now, before I go on, I just want to, I want to encourage people. When I, when I speak on issues like this, it is certainly not designed to make people feel badly. Okay? The church gets itself oftentimes in, in a, a, a no-win situation. We, we fall into a trap. We get so many people doing certain types of things that we don't want to teach on those things or address those things for fear of offending or hurting people. And while no one intends to hurt, or, I know a lot of people, man, you give them a chance, they would undo all kinds of decisions they've made. So it's not about trying to make you feel badly. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's about teaching a healthy biblical worldview. So that our children and our children's children don't make the same mistakes a lot of us have made. Are you hearing me? So we're going to go ahead and address these things. Some people felt bad because I was talking last week about this whole idea of delayed marriage and waiting until you're 30, 40, whatever to get married. There's some people like, that's fine. Everybody has different choices that they can make. God's called people to different things. Not everybody's even called to be married. Uh, If you want to wait until you're 95, that's your own business. All right. What I'm against is the church jumping on to our secular culture's concept of forcing and threatening and pressuring young people to wait, 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 wait to get married. Most of it's all based in a culture of selfishness. And it is not wise. And we talked about that last time. And we need to talk about it in a healthy way. Uh, to For the church to tell our young people to wait till they're almost 29 to get married and don't have sex. And it was like a winning message. Well, brother, you know, statistically speaking, young people have a higher rate of divorce. It's all a bunch of nonsense. I'll tell you the one statistic they're not quoting to you is the single greatest measuring statistic that impacts people's longevity in relationships. It's not age. It's not education. It's not enough money. People say, well, we don't have enough money to get married. What a bunch of nonsense. I'll marry you for a buck. Besides, who has enough money? What a retarded thing. Who has enough money? You ever get a paycheck and go, I'm sorry, I got enough. Nobody ever, you know, this is ridiculous. It's not based on that stuff. The single's greatest indicator is sexual activity. You don't hear that from our culture, do you? Our secular culture. No, they want you to be as sexually active as you possibly can. But it is the greatest indicator of whether or not you will succeed. In a recent survey of women aged 30 and older, of those who had only one sexual partner, they had a 20% divorce rate among that group. For those who reported having at least two, and I'm not talking long-term lovers, I'm talking just another guy, it jumped to almost 50%. Those who had three or more, even higher. This idea of forcing young people to wait for some stupid, not well thought out concept of age, education, and money while they become sexually active is a formula for disaster. And we need to start thinking biblically and not like our culture. Again, no one's trying to make anybody feel badly. What I'm going to talk about today, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm as guilty as the rest of us on today's message. 
But we need to start thinking differently. Now the scripture I've been working with is Romans the 12th chapter where it says, Therefore I urge you brothers, and I'm certainly urging all of you, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Quit acting, looking, sounding, thinking like them. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Some other scriptures that underscore all this. In John the 15th chapter, Jesus taught us this. If you belonged to the world, he said, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. In Hebrews it says, for here on this earth we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for the city that is to come. Peter said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that which war against your soul. Do you ever feel like an alien? You know how you start growing in your faith? It seems like the, the more you take your faith seriously, the more your family and friends look at you like you're some kind of a space creature. <laughs> like, they, you know, they treat you like you're really weird. Well, to them, we are weird. We're different. We're not like everybody else. We are aliens. The reason they stay away from you is afraid you're going to stick an alien in them and it'll break out someday. <laughs> in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, great chapter in the Bible, talks about all the great people of faith throughout the Bible. Starting in the 13th verse, he says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they also were aliens and strangers on earth. It's really an attitude. You know, you get this attitude. When you really start getting this, you can't help but walk around thinking, You know, I really don't belong here. I mean, I'm here. And I need to influence as many people as I can for God's purposes. But this is not my home. I do not live on Warm Springs Drive. I just happen to park there. I live in heaven, man. I'm just not there yet. That's where my home is. People who say such things show they are looking for a country uh, of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I'm talking about being in the world, but not of the world being pulled out of the world and not thinking having our minds changed not thinking like the culture from which we come but thinking more like the biblical culture you know Jesus asked this question he said when the son of man returns will he find faith in the earth as a young man I always thought wow, what a silly question of course he will of course he will Woo-hoo! it's going to be great we're going to change the world the older I get The more I speak to Christians all across America, I'm starting to wonder what the answer is to that question. Will he find faith when he returns? Honestly, I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure. People pray all the time, you know, God send a spiritual renewal to America. Pour out out of your spirit. Why doesn't God send a revival? My answer is send a revival to what? To a group of people who claim to be Christians, but they can't keep their most basic vows and promises to each other. People who divorce for some of the stupidest reasons on earth. 
Our cat and dog don't get along. We got a divorce. We just couldn't understand each other. We got a divorce. He's a big, fat, smelly jerk. I got a divorce. To what? An organization full of women who treat their cats and dogs with more respect and kindness than their own husbands. To what? By every measure and surveys taken, a group where 50% of the men in our congregations look at pornography and masturbate. Isn't that lovely? We're a mess, folks. We need to stop. We need to get this right. We are acting like the heathen culture we came out of and it is poisoning us. Last week we talked about challenging some of these concepts. You know, the concept of a soulmate. The the idea of, you know, there's one perfect person just for me. And that marriage is really the result of finding the right person. Hogwash. Now you want to find the best one you can. Don't be an idiot. But it's not the result of finding the right person. It's the result of doing the right things. If you will do the right things, you will succeed. If you don't do the right things, you will fail. It's just that simple. But we're Christians. We don't want to do the right things. We want to pray about the wrong things that we do. God, straighten out the mess I'm in. I don't want to change God, but just straighten it out, would you? We talked about our culture that is pressuring and forcing our young people to wait Wait, don't get married too young. Don't get married. It's more important, you see. Because we value money more than anything. Better to have your career and your education and your money, 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 money. Wait, 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 wait. How we're on the verge of eliminating any real presence of grandparents in American culture. People who are 35 before they have kids and their kids do the same. They'll be 70 years plus before those grandkids ever show up. You won't have the physical, emotional, financial strength to mean anything to those children if you're even still there. There's hell to be paid in this country for what's coming if we don't stop. Today I want to talk about another subject, continuing on this line. The culture in which we live that encourages not only delayed marriage, but delayed childbearing. When I was uh, thinking about this week, you know, I thought for a minute, I thought, you know, maybe I'm just... Honestly, sometimes I struggle with this stuff because most of the stuff that I talk about along these lines, I'm the only guy I've ever heard say this stuff. Isn't that sad? I thought, well, Gunger, maybe you're just crazy. You know, you're a little nuts, you'll admit it. You know, man, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't... I'm seriously thinking, this next thing, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm like, and and, and Kambir and I, we're heading down to Atlanta. And we're, we're, we're flying along uh, on our way down to Atlanta. And uh, Kabir says, I got this DVD I want to show you. And I said, okay, okay. So he pulls out and he plays this DVD. And here is this guy preaching and sounding just like me. And I went, yes! I'm not the only one! I was lit up when I, man, I was going to jump out of that airplane. I'm telling you. I got encouraged. God used that to just push me on. The name of the guy who, who, who was preaching, I, I'm not sure I even can say this name right, if those who watch on our, our program around the country, if you know him and I say it wrong, forgive me, but uh, Dr. Vody, is it Vody? Vody Bauchman or whatever, was preaching. And boy, was he hammering this. Black brother, Southern Baptist. He said the birth rate in the church is not below replacement rate. 
We need at least 2.1, but now we're down to 1.9. We're not giving birth to enough children to keep, keep the church going. Why? Because we value prosperity more than we value children. The unwritten rule. You know, you can have two, a boy and a girl, and if you just you hit two of the same sex, then you get a pass, you can take one more shot. That's the unwritten rule, is it not? Well, you got two boys. All right, give her another shot. One more. This is it, though. This is it. This is it. The church criticizes women who have large families. Makes fun of them. Mocks them. You know, they they figured out what causes that now, you know. See, in biblical culture... Large families were praised and encouraged. Smaller families were not as praised. And the most heartbreaking thing are those who didn't have children at all. But not in our selfish culture today. It's the other way around. Why you got so many kids? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? We mock large families. We treat pregnancy like a cancer in the church. We need to repent. Like a cancer. People talking about, you know, we thought she was pregnant. We checked it out. Praise God. How's the close one? Like, 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 we thought she had cancer, but praise God, it wasn't cancer. We put pregnancy in that same category with that same response and that same intensity. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Dr. Vody was preaching. He's, he's a Southern Baptist. Uh, I was just in uh, from Atlanta. We went down to uh, Alabama. I was in the Deep South this weekend. <laughs> I didn't know what they think of me, you know. But we had a blast. Those Southern Baptists are a scream, man. We had a great time. But you know, down there they're huge, man. I mean, up here in the North, you know, little tiny Baptist churches, right? But in the South, they're huge. They are the largest evangelical denomination. Man, down those churches, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people. I mean, they're all over the place. That's, that's the size of the church. And there's like a gazillion. You know, the one time we were in, there must have been 50 different kinds of Baptists. There was Blue Baptist, Green Baptist, Happy Baptist, Sad Baptist, <laughs> Uplifted Baptist, Depressed Baptist. I mean, they're all over the place. There's every, every church you can imagine. But he said, there are currently 16 million Southern Baptists in America. If we keep behaving the way we are, Next generation, one more generation, 30, 35 years, is going to be 4 million Southern Baptists. One more generation, there's going to be 1 million. Four generations down, there's going to be 250,000 of them. People say, well, we'll just win souls. We'll, just, we'll win them into the kingdom of God. We'll just win new people. All right. The problem there is we need to win three for each one. Currently, we win one person for every 43 Christians. We are so selfish with this idea of delayed marriage. So selfish with this idea of delayed parenting. That we are literally killing off Christianity in America one generation at a time. For what? Well, we can't afford children. Of course you can't. 
Try to have the biggest house you can get. Drive the fanciest car that you can get. Be extended way beyond any reasonable imagination of your expenses. Need that surround sound. We can't afford children. Of course we can't. By the way, I finally got a car. Told y'all I was getting a car. Talked about not living on the edge. Don't live on the edge financially. Don't eat all your seed. Don't live out here like this. Good night. I could easily go get a $40,000, $50,000 car. So I went, started looking for a $27,000 car. I finally settled on an $18,000 used Kia. <laughs> My son was mortified. <laughs> Kelly said, you can't drive a Kia? Yes, I can. I like it. So instead of living here, now I'm living over here. Woohoo! I got moving room. I can go eat a big lunch. Why are we doing this? Because we think more like our secular culture than a biblical culture. Actually, the Western culture that we live in is doing this, it's killing itself. It's killing itself. Here's an article by a guy named Mark Stein. It's not a, it's not a Christian article. It's, it's a secular article. Check this out. He says, much of Western civilization does not have any future. That is to say, I'm not just speaking philosophically, but literally. In a very short time, France, Belgium, and the Netherlands, and other countries we regard as part of the Western tradition, will cease to exist in any meaningful sense. They don't have a future because they've given up breeding. Spain's population right now is having with every generation. Two grown-ups just have one baby. So there are half as many children as there are parents, a quarter as many grandchildren as there are grandparents, there are an eighth as many great-grandchildren as there are great-grandparents in Spain. And after that there's no sense extrapolating because you're over the falls and it's too late to start paddling back. 17 European nations are now at what demographers call lowest low fertility. We're right behind them in America. They're down to 1.3, we're at 1.9. It's the point where you're so far down on the death spiral, he says you can't pull out. In In theory, those countries will find their populations halving every 35 years. So large parts of the Western world are literally dying. And in Europe, the successor population to those aging French and Dutch and Belgians are already in place. You know who they are? The new Europeans will be observant Muslims who are giving birth at a very great rate. It is just a matter of time before in France the Catholic churches will all be turned into mosques. Maybe less than 30 years. And for what? So we can have nicer cars. So we just have more freedom. So we can do what we want to do. Me, 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 me. This is the secular culture that we live in. And the church is thinking like the secular culture instead of a biblical culture. But we can change this if we change the way we think. It's not encouraging their young people. Nothing I can do about it. I'm past geezerhood now. So I'm not trying to make people feel bad. If I was, I'm trying to make myself feel bad. I'm not. It's just we need to change the way we think. We need to change the way our children think. I wish I'd raise my children thinking this way. But we live in this culture. Nobody thinks. Nobody thinks. Nobody does the math. Everybody lives so for the now, we don't think about it. No one does the math. This is what's going to happen with grandparents. 
This is what's going to happen with our culture. This is what's going to happen with the church as we have ourselves every generation now. You want people of moral culture to take over the godless secularists in America? Here is a very simple solution. Outbreed them. That's all you got to do. Just outbreed them. They don't want to have babies? Okay. We ought to be having them like drunken monkeys. I kid you not, in 30 years, we would dominate this country. Because there would be so many people raised in conservative, born-again, faith-based, Bible-believing homes. It would change the face of this nation. People of faith could dominate America if we simply begin to value and cherish children again. The poorest nations of the world see children as a blessing from God. While the richest nations on earth, and particularly the richest nation on earth, in this richest nation on earth, we cannot afford them. We should be ashamed. He went on to say, he says, you want more souls in the kingdom of God? Sure, as long as we don't have to birth them, raise them, or feed them. We're so centered on the now in this country and in the youth of the 20s that we're creating problems. Couples now that eventually do get married and finally get around to having children, they're spending huge sums of money trying to get pregnant. And if you're like that this morning, I am not trying to make you feel bad. I will pray with you and trust God for you. But they're desperate and heartbroken trying to become pregnant. Because they're waiting until their 30s and 40s to have children. And while you can debate and reason with me, you cannot reason with biology. You know, most biblical scholars will tell you they believe Mary was as young as 14, 15 when she had Jesus. Now that would never fly in this day. And I'm not telling you if you're 14 to go and get married. But boy, talk about swinging to the other end. This is affecting people. You know, men, I don't have time to read you all these studies. Men have biological clocks just like women. They're finding that men are less able to get women pregnant the longer they wait. Women are less able. Check this story out. This this is a wild one. Babies of younger mothers have twice the chance of living to 100. Babies born to women under 25, it says, are almost twice as likely to live as 100 as to those born to older mothers, a study has shown. Isn't that wild? They did a study of almost 200 people that lived to 100 years old. Children born when their mothers were under 25 years of age in that study showed it was the, it was the greatest single indicator of long life how old your mama was. I'm telling you, biology, you just, we're not wired to do what we're doing, people. And if the heathens want to do it, you know, quite frankly... This is going to sound mean. and I mean, I want to win everybody I can to Jesus. But what the heathens do, I just, I really don't care. Everybody's in a lather trying to stop what the heathens are doing. You got to stop this. We got to stop that. We got to get out. You know what I'm concerned? What is the church doing? Let's be a light on a hill. Let's do it right in here. Let's build families of faith all across America that thrive and 
prosper and have healthy marriages and healthy families. And let that be a light that will draw these people. Instead of running out trying to get laws to stop heathens doing from what we don't like. Look, as I said in the beginning, I'm not trying to make anybody feel badly. I'm just trying to challenge the way we think. If we keep thinking and acting the way we are thinking and acting, we are going to create a disaster in the church of Jesus Christ. And as painful as it is, we have to address these issues or we will continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over again until it's too late to do anything about it. When my daughter, Leslie, she was sitting over there a little while ago. She had to get with my grandson, but... When she was a little girl, man, she used to just scream. She, she only had one volume crying. Just scream. You know, when Philip came along, he was the one playing the guitar this morning. You know, we thought, look, it cries. It doesn't just scream. There were actually levels of crying to him. But Leslie, it was just all out. You couldn't tell if she had a, a, a runny nose or if her legs were broken. And I mean, I'm telling you, that creates some stress in a young parent. Why is it crying like that? You know, just so intense, you know. And I remember she would, you know, she'd get a splinter or something in her finger. And she would just scream bloody murder, you know. Daddy, daddy, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, stop it, stop it. And I'd come over and to look at, don't touch it. It's the way we are today. We want the church to get healthy, but, but don't touch it, Pastor. Don't, ow, wowie. You need to be more sensitive. And I know, again, I'm not trying to make people feel bad, but we got to touch it. And yeah, it hurts a little bit. Ow, ow, ow. Okay, okay, but let's fix it. Let's start thinking more biblically. Let's think like God thinks. Let's get healthy homes, healthy families. Let's start teaching our children to think in a more healthy way. Than the way we were raised thinking. I was raised thinking like our secular culture. You're too baby, you're too, you're too many people in the world. You've got to get rid of all these people. There's not too many people in the world. That's a bunch of nonsense. The only overpopulation problem there is in the world is when 18 million people all want to live on the same block. There are cities that have overpopulation problems, but the world is not overpopulated. I'll take you up in a little plane sometimes, fly around, and let you see how overpopulated we are. You can fly for hours and see nothing. No cars, no houses, no nothing. This place is not overpowered. That's Wisconsin. There's parts of the world that are more barren than that. But we're so selfish. You know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, there's a there's an old song. I grew up singing this song when I was first became a Christian. I surrender That's what it's about. That's what true Christianity is. Surrendering. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about what God wants. But we can't sing this song anymore. We have to change the words to I surrender 
almost everything. I surrender all that stuff I really don't care about, but don't touch the stuff I really, 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 really want to do. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I know you just really want me to be happy. I know I shouldn't do it, but I know I bet you really, really want me to be happy, don't you, God? I'm going to invite our ushers to come. Our ushers can come down and get ready to serve communion and our, our worship team can come back up here as we bring the service uh, to a close. We need to get a place of surrender where we are more willing to do what God wants us to do than what we want to do. We want to think more in a biblical way than in a selfish way. Let me ask you a question this morning as they all come get ready. Where are you at with your relationship with Jesus? Do you believe in him? Do you believe in the one who believes in you? Who cares about you so much that he went to the cross? Talk about an act of selflessness. We have a culture of people who claim the name of Christ. The one who gave himself we're so selfish how Christ like are we being Jesus came to die for our sins he took your rap my rap my punishment your punishment so that we could have forgiveness of sins have you reconciled that in, in your own life you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm trying to be better than, 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 than I was before. Well, that, that won't cut it. You can't be good enough. If you could have been good enough, Jesus would have never come and allowed himself to be crucified. He'd have just said, be better. But you can't be better and fix this. If you could have bought your way out of this, he wouldn't have went to the cross. He would have come and said, just give more money. But, but you can't buy your way out of this. Quite frankly, there's nothing you can do. This is, well, then, then, then what do we do? Then we're, then we're without hope. Without Jesus, we would be without hope. The good news is that he loved us so much. He came and said, you know, I'll take the rap. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the pain. I will allow my body to be broken so you can be whole. I will shed my blood so it can wash away the stain of your sin. You just need to accept that. You need to believe in that. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer right now. And I want to invite everyone to pray with me. If you're here for the first time, maybe you've been here for a long time. But you've never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus. If you haven't, if you will believe this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life and give you a new beginning. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I put my trust in you this morning. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me.